Welcome to the Something in the Air podcast. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci here at the Press of Atlantic City. This episode, we're talking all about the 1962 Ash Wednesday storm. It is the 60th anniversary of what is also known as the High Five Storm, where we had five consecutive high tides flood and absolutely devastate the Jersey Shore, in particular Long Beach Island. And to talk about that, he is one of the best people you could ever find to talk about this storm. He is the co-author of the second edition of Great Storms of the Jersey Shore. He also wrote Surviving Sandy. Scott Mazella here. He's going to come on. And we're going to talk about how the different chapters of the Shore's history usually starts with a big storm like the 62 storm. We'll talk about what it was like to write that book. And we'll also talk about what development at the shore has been like after Sandy and where we go from here. So without further ado, we're going to welcome on Scott Mazzella. And it is a pleasure to welcome on the Dean of Shorms at the Jersey Shore here, Scott Mazzella. He is the author of multiple books here, um, Surviving Sandy, Great Storms of the Jersey Shore, the second edition. He's a teacher. He's a weather nut. He actually used to work down here in our corner of the state. So, Scott, welcome to the Something in the Air podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you were telling me off camera that you moved from your uh, teacher grading desk to your uh, storm <laughs> desk. I'm going to just yeah. take a shot here and say that this desk here, you might be a, a, a little more favorable towards than uh, grading papers all night. Yeah, this is uh, dressed up for storms right now, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we're ready to rock and roll. It, uh, it, it looks great behind you. You have your books there. Um, you know, Scott, I was the reason why I wanted to bring you on is because we just did a piece earlier in March talking about the 60th anniversary of the 1962 storm, the March storm, the Ash Wednesday storm, the High Five storm. There's all different names for it. And as we go through the next 30 minutes, Scott and I are going to talk about it. Um, we're going to talk about what was in the book. We're going to talk about not just a 62 storm, but putting that storm in context with development at the shore. But before we get to that, Scott, we want to know more about you. So I already teased you a little bit. I said you're a weather guy and you used to work down here. But give us the Scott Mazella story. Scott Mazella story. Oh, well, I started uh, in journalism, like uh, you had mentioned. I worked down at NBC 40 in your neck of the woods and uh, yeah, a little bit. And uh you know, I had a little a change of uh, change of plans after September 11th happened. I had a little little soul searching, and I switched careers, became a teacher, and I fell in love with that career. And I I love being a teacher, but I got to keep my journalism side. I worked for uh, uh, the Beachcomber, which is a newspaper on Long Beach Island, um, which is where I made, uh, formed relationships with uh, the publisher uh, and worked with Margaret Buchholz and Larry Sabadov when I was working at that paper. The two. Uh, co-authors, other authors of Great Storms of the Jersey Shore. So uh, keeping those relationships over time just so happened to lead to uh, the publication of my first book, Surviving Sandy, in 2013, and uh, the updated Great Storms of the Jersey Shore in 2019. So after I'm done grading papers, it was uh, research and typing and interviewing uh, at night. So uh, definitely worth it. Uh, we're proud of all the books. Yeah, and, and you're an LBI guy. That is your place along the shore. Um, I, I believe your family has a house in Holgate, um, yep. way at the southern tip of the shore here. So, you know, you spent a lot of time at the shore growing up, of course. Absolutely. How did storms, is, is that where your interest in weather came from? A lot of times people like, you know, being at the shore and generating an interest in weather that way. 
believe it or not, and I, I know you're probably not going to believe me, I remember seeing a bolt of lightning at a summer camp when I was like, I guess I had to be in kindergarten. Like, okay. I always loved storms. I have a lot of great memories of watching storms with my dad in the garage, you know, with the garage door open. Um, but the beach is where I really did fall in love with it all. Um, the Great Storms of the Jersey Shore originally came out in 2000, I'm sorry, in 1993. And uh, my mom got me a copy of that um, for my 16th birthday. And it was like my storm Bible. I like read all of it. I used to go to storm talks. I was like the only person under, I think, <laughs> age 30 at the storm talks. Um, my mom would drop me off. I didn't even have a license yet to drop me off. And I would listen to John Bailey Lloyd and uh, other uh, storm talk folks. Uh, Jim Everwine, I saw him a bunch of times. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, so, we yeah, love Jim, my weather dad. Yeah, he's your weather dad. Um, great yeah. guy. Um, and just experiencing storms and, and reading about storms, thunderstorms especially, and then hurricane tracking and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it gets in your blood. Actually, when I worked at NBC40, um, I remember I was in the parking lot, actually, of NBC40. I was leaving. And uh, I couldn't go anywhere because it was pouring. Like, you couldn't see out the windshield. And uh, all of a sudden, this, the car was, like, rocking a little back and forth. The rain stopped suddenly. Like, it was weird. Looked out the window, and the Summer's Point tornado was just winding itself back up right uh -huh. across the street. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm calling the station. It was too late to get any footage or anything like that. But what a moment. So, uh you know, I, I do have my uh, weather experiences down there, too. So don't worry. I got my uh, my uh, South-South Jersey uh, weather experience. It's not just LBI. That, well, we're going to get into uh, South Jersey, where LBI fits on that at the end with your uh, New Jersey map there. Who are the meteorologists uh, we'll that... that uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Who were the meteorologists at uh, TV40 back then in 2000? Uh, uh, Dan Skalski was our, we our weatherman. Right, Dan Skalski. Okay. I think... Uh, I'm not sure if Dan Skelton was there yet. Or he no, was Dan wasn't there. Dan Skelton was not there yet. Um, I do know of Dan Skalski. I've never met him before. Although I would like to. I wonder what he's up to now. Um, not too sure. But uh, yeah, you know, it's very, I, you know, I tell people all the time, Scott, you know, I do when I do talks and when I'm out with people, I said, you know, it, when you look at New Jersey, I really feel like the shore, but more particularly the shore, when you get to LBI South, really has a good feel for weather because it means so much to the economy and the, and you know, you look at tourism, you look at farming, fishing, those are all really big influences or, or, or heavily influenced, I should say, by the weather here. And that's really, um, you know, comes to a head almost with the 1962 storm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just to give a really brief recap of what the storm was meteorologically, you know, it was a storm system that moved off the South Carolina coast, moved to the northeast, like we see a lot of coastal storms, but there was a big high pressure system to the north. And what that did was two things. One, it stopped the storm from really moving a lot further to the north and east. It pretty much stayed in the same spot for over a 24-hour period, just east of a couple, maybe 200, 300 miles off the coast of North Carolina. Well, we were firmly within still its grasp at that point, and it wasn't moving for that long. And then eventually, you know, it goes, that was March 6th to 7th, where it didn't move much. You know, eventually it moved, um, you know, offshore and well offshore, but the damage was done because what the high pressure also did, if you think about high and low pressure, high pressure is clockwise, low pressure is counterclockwise. 
it blew a lot of wind into the shore here. And we talk about a fetch or how long of a distance those offshore winds were. It, it was a thousand miles. Now, typically for coastal flooding, you say anything about 250 miles or greater would bring some coastal flooding. This was four times that. And it wasn't just a 10 mile an hour wind either. It was a really strong wind. So, you know, we saw rain, but the biggest thing was uh, the coastal flooding that came from this. So now that I got the weather part out of the way here, Scott, you know, where do we rank the 1962 storm on the Jersey Shore in recorded history? You go through all the storms in that book. Where does that one rank, in your opinion? That's a tough one because it's really close to being number one, but I think I put Sandy at number one. Um, so I would say it's number two um, with uh, the hurricane of 44 being number three. So it'd probably go Sandy, 62, 44. Got it. And let me just ask you, too, because there was one storm after Sandy, uh, the uh, the blizzard of 2016, also known as Jonas. Are you, you're familiar with that one, I'm sure. Just to give people an idea, like, where would you think that storm would rank? Would that even be something that would be in a, in, you know, it wasn't really in your book, I don't believe, correct? Um, I can't remember. If, if, um, I remember writing about it. I can't remember if it was edited out or not. But uh, um, I wouldn't necessarily rank that as one of the most memorable i mean there's so many of those type of storms in between the biggies um and i know of course it depends on where you live because it's what's a big storm for one location you know you could go 50 miles south and it's right so to some people it might be uh higher on the list my personal list it's not that high yeah i would agree with you i was just trying to make the point that even that 2016 storm, which is known as Jonas and the Weather Channel named it that, was, is not even an all-time storm. And that was a, a very powerful storm for a lot of people as well. So just to give you an idea what we're talking about, we're talking about your Sandy, your 63 storm, your 44 hurricane, all in, in, in that realm of top tier storms turned into destruction. And, and you bring up a good point about depending on where you are, because it, it, what I gathered by researching for this story was if you were south of where Sandy made landfall, which is Brigantine, I think there's a good amount of people who are, who remember both. I would say the 63, excuse me, 62 storm was more impactful. I think what you got, especially north of LBI, then it was Sandy here. And is that something that you found too, you know, when you were updating this book? Um, Absolutely. I mean, uh, when I was, because I went all the way down the shore trying to find uh, the impacts uh, for all the shore towns. And as you got farther, I, I actually put Stick Ocean City in with uh, having experienced quite a bit with Sandy as they, you know, they had that the surge come through and a lot of video of water coming right through. Um, but when you get farther south than that, um, it gets harder and harder uh, to, to find the sig- significant types of stories that we had for say like LBI and North, you know, survival right. stories where you have people right. close to death, you know, where they're just right. barely taking it out. Um, so yeah, it changes uh, as you go, but it's always a challenge when you're writing a storm book for the whole Jersey shore. You yeah. know, when you consider what is a great storm of the Jersey shore, you know, is it just impacts uh, in the areas you think you're going to sell books or is it impacts for the whole shore? We try to make sure we cover uh, the whole shore. I, I think you do so, you know, greatly. I loved reading your book. You know, when when you gave it to me, um, you know, right after it came out, 
It really is a great read. I mean, you could find it. I believe you could find it. You can find it pretty much anywhere, right? You can find it online yeah. pretty easily. Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble, the publisher. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stores. Even down in Cape mm-hmm. May, I know it's the Whale's Tale used to have it. Um, every so often, people uh, send me a text message with the book when they find it in the store. I love that they still yeah. do that today, so it's a cool feeling. But it's all over. What was the work like for you to actually update this book? Like, what was? <laughs> How often were you working on it? What times of the day were you working on it? How are you reaching out to people? Oh, any any minute I could spare away from school and, and being a dad and a husband, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, you know, working on that. Um, some There was some material that I was able to use that was from my first book that went in there. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of it was phone calls. Um, if, if I could get down to someone, I would, but most of it was phone. Um, writing and researching, it was, you know, a lot of late nights. Just like my first book, same thing, because I was teaching then, too. It was like yeah, working until 1 or 2 in the morning, getting some sleep, going to school, and and repeating. And uh, I guess it's just because it's a passion project that yeah. you do it, and because you love doing it. You know, you don't want to stop yeah. doing it. Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna make a joke because you didn't really mention sleep. You know, when you said in addition to being a dad and a husband and all, I said you didn't say sleep there. So it's something that I I, I know you were working you know diligently on for for a while here. Um, you know, so what we're gonna do, Scott, is actually I think this is actually gonna be a good time to break because I want to get into another topic here, which is different chapters of the shore's history. We're gonna take a break right here, and then on the other side is we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about. Some other storms, and we have that New Jersey map too. So, this is the Something in the Air podcast. Welcome back to the Something in the Air podcast, brought to you the first and third Wednesdays of every month here. First Wednesday of the month, we have my other weather dad, New Jersey State Climatologist, Dr. Dave Robinson. We recap the month that was, third episode. We bring in special guests like our guy, Scott Mazzelli here. He is the author of Surviving Sandy and Great Storms of the Jersey Shore. He was also a great resource uh, during uh, the story that I put out on our website, pressofac.com, about the 60th anniversary of the 1962 storm. So, Scott, one of the things that really stood out to me when we talked on the phone last week for like an hour was you said it something along the lines of it almost feels like every chapter of the shore starts with a big storm and you said that was the case for 63 uh and definitely for sandy here so what i want to do is kind of turn back the clock and i think we can probably start with the 44 storm i just want to know what do you mean by that what did what changes did we see after the 44 storm what did we see after the 62 storm? And then what have we seen and what will we continue to see after Sandy? Well, looking at all these storms chronologically, you get the sense that when you get an absolutely destructive storm, like a hurricane at 44 or the 62 storm or Sandy, um, you have an opportunity in a lot of places uh, for development post-storm. It seems a lot of times developers come in and, and uh, take advantage of um, the opportunity to build again because people want to be rebuild. Um, we, despite the risk of storms, the Jersey Shore is such a lure. 
um, that people are going to keep coming back. But what I've noticed is that um, you tend to to bookmark or bookend um, eras in in uh, Jersey Shore history by storms. Uh, and again, it really is a little provincial, like depending on where you live. Like uh, for LBI, for instance, um, 44 down in Holgate, Holgate got wiped out. Like reset, right. new start. Okay, from 44 to 62, you had building, um, you had people living there, of course. And then 62 comes in, wipes the place out, resets, build again. I mean, you still have some houses that are the same, but you have especially between 62 and 2012 with Sandy, there's a huge amount of buildup. I mean, that, along the entire Jersey shore, thanks to the parkway, especially um, you have a massive influx of people and building. And uh, you had a good 50 years, 50 solid years of development. Uh, and especially when you get towards the nineties, eighties, nineties, and uh, early two thousands, a lot of people who have no storm history at all or storm experience aside from, the occasional nor'easter or a hurricane bob that might just blow by um, right or even irene and then when you get sandy you come in and that's and sandy's like facing down a lot of fresh meat when it comes to buildings you know and uh, right. a massive amount of uh, of monetary damage you know so again that's another era because since sandy We've seen another building boom, which kind of surprised me on that one. But we saw not only a building boom, but a building boom of very, very expensive houses in, in yeah. very vulnerable places. So uh, to me, uh, you have your pre-Sandy LBI or Holgate, and now you have your post-Sandy Holgate. And if there's another storm, maybe again. So uh, we'll see how many resets uh, mankind will have patience with uh, before they say, all right, we're done. But right. yeah, <laughs> I, I think and I, you know, I, this is another thing I say during talks, you know, that there's a reason why LBI Atlantic City sees that are called barrier islands. It's because it's to protect the mainland. But we as a society have decided that the the benefits of the shore outweigh the negative sides and those negative sides, you know, show their head every once in a while with these big storms. Um you know, so what I what I want to know is, you know, like, what do you think LBI, what was it, what was the LBI before Sandy like? And then, you know, just kind of go a little bit deeper. What does it look like now in terms of build up, in terms of materials used, you know, protecting against storms, et cetera? Well, for, for LBI and imagine much of the shore, um, before Sandy, you had like a very solid mix of old construction and you always have new construction happening. I mean, it always broke my heart when like an old cottage or something was torn down and a bigger house was built, but it, I guess it happened so slowly. You kind of put up with it. Um, so the LBI I fell in love with as a kid in Holgate uh, was much different looking than what it is today. Um, there were a lot more capes, you know, I don't know if you remember back in the day, like a lot of little coral color, like Robin's yeah. Blue tapes. Yeah, and yeah, People left for the winter. You came back in the summer, your house smelled all musty. And it was, you know, it, it was like a seasonal thing. Now it's more, you know, year round. Uh, you could come anytime. You have every accoutrement in your house, uh, <laughs> uh, things like that. So it, it changed slowly. But what Sandy did was it took what was happening over 50 years and kind of, 
sped it up into just like 10 years, like the 10 years since Sandy has seen a massive amount of construction, um, either because people couldn't afford to upgrade their homes or to raise their homes uh, higher up to meet flood standards, or they just had enough, uh, or they cashed out, right? You know, they, they might have said, well, it's worth so much now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, cash my chips in and let uh, whoever develop the land. Um, well, I'm very fortunate because my, my personal block on, in Holgate, most of the people are the same. They, they, they've been there almost my whole entire life. And the houses, a lot of them predate 62, believe it or not. Uh, huh. They just got higher. So we're like one of the last like bastions of like people who don't want to like quite tear things down yet. But I know it's only a matter of time before. No, what are you guys doing? All banded together? You guys have like your no. own uh, group chat where you're like, "Hey, don't move yet." <laughs> well, no, I, not always. It's just I think uh, there's just an appreciation of it. I, I'm not a homeowner. My dad's the homeowner in that case, um, and uh, we're relieved that Sandy did not take our house. It almost took our house. Uh, believe it or not, a oil, an empty oil tank that was in the basement that was never used since they bought the house in 1984. Uh, held the house up when a big corner of the foundation got washed out and the tank washed in at the same time and held the house right. up. The whole house was like leaning when we, after, when we went down after Sandy. And the engineers were like, you better thank that tank because it, it saved your house. So we're lucky. Now it's on piles. It's up. But, you know, my dad, uh, I remember he was like a full-time job working with insurance and, uh, you know, making that happen, working with contractors just to raise the house, which was incredible. Right. Uh, not everybody could afford that, so they leave. And, and it, people, if you don't have that connection to the house, you may be more more apt to maybe tear down and build the house you want. Uh, we have family history in the house, so we didn't want to do that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that's the kind of story it is. Now the guy across the street who we knew our whole life, he just passed away sadly, uh, and they just sold his oh, property. Yeah. So you wonder is that going to stay the old uh, ranch? He has a raised ranch. Or is it going right. to be a new house? And I, I suspect it's probably going to be a new house. Um, sorry, my dogs are barking outside. I don't know if you. Can no, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> All good. Uh, they like to bark when I'm on, you know, Zoom. So they want to be part of conversation. They do. Yeah. <laughs> so my rescue dogs, the dogs adopt, don't shop, right? So. Oh yeah, hey, no, that's great. What kind of what kind of dogs are they? Uh, we got a Vizsla mix, a Shepherd Husky, and a Dane okay. Pointer mix. So okay. lots of big dogs. Got yeah, lots of big dogs. That's all right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm always wondering too. You know, with, with the short buildup, do you think COVID has started a new chapter at the short? It, it's possible. I know it's not weather related. I hadn't really thought of it much, but you're right. Like it's possible that people saw value in being close to their home uh, when they were stuck. You know, being close to their home. Right. Uh, it's it's possible, although it's getting quite expensive. So oh, I don't yeah. know how people can, you know, do that. We're in a really unique, at least to me, I don't know if every generation's gone through this, but it seems like a uh, unique situation where the price of homes is skyrocketing at the shore, but then the rents go up too, and it gets harder for people to vacation. So oh, yeah, the whole family to vacation with them, right? And they all go into these big homes. Right. The infrastructure isn't built for that. So they're constantly having to rip up the road for, you know, new pipes and new sewer, you know, things like that. I don't know if that's 
you're seeing that all up and down the shore. I know in LBI, it seems to be a lot of that. I am told that we are almost out of time and I would be, I don't <laughs> want to miss out on your New Jersey map here. So we're going to just make a hard transition here. You sent it. I'm actually trying to pull it up on the computer right now. I'm going to get in trouble. I think. I think your viewers are going to be mad at me at this one, but I, I don't know if you've ever seen our other maps. We've had some. <laughs> we've had some very um, uh, debatable maps in the okay. past couple of episodes here. So okay, so here we go. We're going to put up the map, and <laughs> I mean, all right. So it's not. It's not north, central, south. You have two other <laughs> areas here. Yeah, I took some liberties but, there. That, that listen it's it's your time so I'll, I'll give it to you i almost agree with you there scott i actually i almost agree with you i really like that pennsylvania jersey part you put uh that's like that's like an extension of the poconos that's always what i said for that sussex warren hunterdon area um you know central jersey now here's the thing i always go back and forth with this on people i do agree with your line there for the most part, but the thing is, I think during the summer you got to move that Central Jersey line down all the way to Manahawkin and right on down to LBI because I feel like there's so many New York, Newark influenced people that go down to the shore. It just doesn't feel like South Jersey during the summer. I would say it feels like Central Jersey during the off season and then South Jersey during the summer. But you're mm. the LBI guy, so you tell me how you feel about that. I mean, we've always had a lot of New Yorkers that came down and Pennsylvania folks that came over. Um, I don't look at it like the influx of people, though. I, I look at it like just I guess it's just how my mind's eye sees New Jersey. Like, That's it's okay. kind of like if you're up south of 195. You're kind of South Jersey. I mean, it does even the prices of houses change when you cross that line. Um, but uh, Central Jersey, some people put it so far north, but I think once you go north of New Brunswick, you're now everything kind of changes. The towns change. It's more urban. In some cases, you have really nice towns like Westfield and Scotch Plains that are beautiful, but they're so clustered together and there's a lot of traffic. And then you get north of that. And it's a lot of those nice towns and expensive, but it's all New York, like commuters and whatnot. My sister lives in Almuchi, which is on oh, the, I know Almuchi. my Pennsylvania Jersey side. And you go yeah, there, that's, like, that's PA Jersey. Yep. Beautiful. I used to work in Hackettstown. Oh, so you know. Like it's oh, I know. pretty beautiful. It's, uh, I, I really enjoy visiting up there. Um, I couldn't live up there because I don't like snow. So they get so much snow. But uh, South Jersey, like I always think LBI is South Jersey. I, it might be my own mental escape i don't want to go on vacation from central jersey to central jersey i go I, down, I see what you're saying you know south jersey i've always felt it was south especially holgate holgate feels so out of the out of the way you know it's off the beaten path because there's only one way on and off lbi that's it yeah so you're real down there you're stuck we we growing up we would not leave uh past we wouldn't go past beach haven because it would just take too long to it was get too long uh, listen man <laughs> i hear you Traveling, I've done shoot, you know, doing shoots there when it's beats, especially now, March, February, January, April. The breeze. I'm like, damn. I was like, geez, like this is easy. I, <laughs> and you can get, you can get, of course, you can get from Barn and get like the whole gate in 20 minutes. No big deal, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you better, not, not you better summer. use the whole day for, if you're going to do this. Like if you want to go to Tucker <laughs> Seaport or something, we got a plan for the whole, you know, morning to be shot. But uh, absolutely, I just want to say though about the Philly comic when you show that because I don't want them to be mad. I have a lot of good friends in Philly suburbs like Cherry Hill, Marlton, Lumberton. Um, I don't mean it like it's 
urban like Philly. I just mean like they, they love Philly. And I think that you have a lot of great neighborhoods there and really great people. Uh, I just don't see it in my mind as South Jersey so much as just like an extension of like a suburb of, of Philly, you know? Uh, I, yeah. Uh, no, you, I, 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 I agree with there. I agree with you there. I, I, I know what you mean by that. It's very, it's a very Philly feel. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think South Jersey, if you really had to split it, but anyway, Scott, this was great. I appreciate that. This was good conversation. I'm glad we got to talk about the shore, talk about your books. Um, you know, really just thank you for being on. Um, so this is going to wrap it up for our episode of something in the air podcast. We'll be back with you the first Wednesday in April. We're going to talk about March, the ups and downs of March. And it's, uh, you know, we sometimes get our very big nor'easters in March, as we just talked about before. So anyway, thank you again to Scott for the time. Thank you. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right.